For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. At Strayer University, we see you striving to work harder and go further. That's why we provide you with the tools you need to get there, like offering a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can do your coursework anytime, anywhere, and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Wisconsin Sportscast. I'm Mike Lucas. And I'm Tom Oates. And we're joined by our engineer extraordinaire, Dylan Brogan. We're brought to you by Leopold's Book Spar Cafe, 1301 Regent Street, Fabioli Spaghetti House and Deli, all there together. Check it out. We appreciate their sponsorship. We certainly, certainly love hearing from you in any way possible. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today, the meat and potatoes. Oh, you brought dinner? Oh, that sounds good. I'm hungry. I got to ask you something before I forget. I, I even wrote it down because <clears throat> I knew it slipped in one ear yeah, out the other. I'm, I'm not going to say anything because uh, I have the same problem. Jackson Chirillo, eight years, $82 million, 19 years old, Milwaukee Brewers. Let's see, can you tell us anything about him? Well, he's the number two rated prospect in all the minor leagues after following last season. And I believe he moved into the top five or ten at the end of the previous season. Nineteen, what, nineteen years old? Yes. He's an up-and-comer. Uh, he's been successful at every level. Five-tool player from what I understand. And uh, I think other teams, there's been a few other instances of teams attempting to do what the Brewers are doing here, which is lock him up through... You know, through what his age twenty nine season or uh, is this a statement by Ananasio? No, I just think uh, other teams have tried this, and it's a it's a it's a way to get in on the ground floor and not have to deal with arbitration and not have to deal with overpaying this guy. What if he turns into a superstar three years into this deal, which is entirely possible? Uh, now you have him for X number of years. Um, it's a, what is it, an eight-year deal plus two years of team option at a pretty steep price, 25 mil. But if he if he's a superstar player and it's eight, ten, eight years from now, you, you know, you're probably going to pay that. So it just gives them control. The downside of it is what if the guy fails? And a couple of the players that this has been done with in the major leagues, whose names escape me, but one of them just got traded from Seattle to, to, so uh, it happens. to the Braves, didn't, haven't really panned out. Uh, You're rolling the dice a little bit. The Brewers are rolling the dice that he's going to be a great player. If he is, they're going to have a great player for a, a, a significant number of years at a very reasonable price. All right, before we get into those meats and potatoes, before they get too cold, uh, one last thing about the Brewers and their new skipper, Murphy. What do you think about him? Well, I think he'll be somewhat of a continuation of what they've had. Uh, you know, Craig Council was 
learned at his feet. I mean, he was Council's college coach, and uh, I think they, I think a lot of the decision making. I mean, he'll do things differently, of course. He's a different person, but uh, I think uh, a lot of what they did was uh, collaboration and not just Craig Council making decisions or whatever. So. I don't think you'll see a radical change. Have you had I, much I communication they, with Pat Murphy? Not too much, no. Right. Um, I'm just curious. He's a little more gregarious. Seems like a good old dude. Gregarious, backslapping kind of guy. I'm not going to say he's a Harvey Keene type, than, but more old school. Than, than Council. A little yeah. bit more old school. Yeah. Bambi, George Bamberger type. Council's always a little more measured in what he says. Did but, I just uh, date myself by mentioning those two? George Bamberger? Harvey as long Keen. as you didn't mention Miller Huggins, you're okay. You don't yeah, even know who Miller stable. Huggins is. Well, of course I do. Okay. Was he a shortstop? <laughs> Never mind. All right, moving on. Green Bay Packers. Here's Look my, it up. Here's my bold statement. The Packers will be in the playoffs. And I ask you, true or false? First of all. Uh-oh, here comes an argument. It's false that that's a bold statement. You're true. You're true on that. At, as we speak, the Packers are 6-6. Six and six. There are only four teams in the in the, in the uh, NFC that have winning records. So they're technically tied for fifth. Uh, tiebreakers might change that a little bit. So, yeah, they're right in the playoffs. I was also, look, I was also, also looking at their schedule. Let me read it to you. Go ahead and read their schedule. Uh, at the New York Football Giants, Tampa Bay at home, at Carolina. Do they, have an, do they play Iowa? <laughs> at Minnesota, and the Chicago Bears. Sounds like the Big Ten West. Last I checked, not a one of those teams has a winning uh, record. So, yeah, if they go four and one, they're at ten. They're they're going to be ten and seven, and that will absolutely get them in. And I think you could see them going. Now you could also see them flush with excitement over two really really good wins back to back. So you question whether they going can handle to New success? York on a Monday night and come home with their tail between their legs. I certainly think you could see that as well. It's not like they're a dominant defense. It's, they don't have a dominant running game. Jordan Love has is, is played very well for the last two weeks. He was great and, on Sunday. And last two weeks he's been great, and, and he's been playing pretty well for the two or three weeks before that. So, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think right now if ESPN did one of their famous percentage of possibilities sure. in the playoffs, they'd be pretty high, but – I think ESPN had Florida State at ninety-seven yeah. percent getting into the uh, probably into the college football Final Four, and that didn't really happen. No, but so they covered the rear end. Those are the, those are the most bogus percentage statistics. Yeah, I, I don't pay any attention but, to it. Uh, yeah, I think they have a they have a they put themselves in position to have a chance, and and it's a pretty good chance. And kudos to them because they've put themselves themselves in that position. They've won four out of five, and two of those games. Well, the first one, neither one of us gave him a chance to win. I think we tempered it with uh, regarding Kansas City after the way they'd played against Detroit. But, yeah, they're playing well. They're in position. And that's why I say it's not bold. Now, will they do it? I don't think so. Well, no, I, I take it back. I take it back. If, if 9 and 8 gets you in, if 9 and 8 gets you in, I think they'll have a ch- they, they'll get in. But I'm not, I'm not. I think they can get to 10. I think that's their ceiling right now. I don't know if it bothered I think they'll go three and two down the stretch. Okay, that's fair. I don't know if it bothered you or not. It was Collinsworth and Chirico kept drawing lines or connecting dots between Favre and Jordan Love. 
Do you buy into that? Not and not in the least. But you heard it too, didn't you? Yeah, no. Uh, he's his uh, Aaron Rodgers was a much greater presence and influence on Jordan Love than Brett Favre ever thought of being. Uh, you know, it's gets it's pretty hard, and it takes a lot of money to get Brett Favre out of Mississippi anymore these days. So it's not like he was around a lot. Or I see some of Aaron Rodgers' throws when I when I see him throw. I he 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 looks like he's. And he, and he obviously has watched a lot of Aaron Rodgers film and watched a lot of Aaron Rodgers in person. There's definitely more of a of an Aaron Rodgers influence so far from what we've seen in Jordan Love than Brett Favre. Well, I'm I don't glad know you why feel they that were way. quacking about Brett Favre. Yeah, it, he didn't. He doesn't seem to me to be that gunslinger. They want somebody to be the gunslinger. No, he's not a gunslinger at all. In fact, part of the problem I think with his lack of success early in or for the first half to two thirds of the season was that he was not a gunslinger and he was he was trying to do what the coach was asking him to do which was dink and dunk your way down the field and 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 don't throw risky passes in the intermediate range and occasionally hoist a long ball and I thought he was doing what was absolutely asked of him I think the biggest change in the Packers is a two-step process number one I think when they were down and losing and not playing well on offense, I think Matt LaFleur decided it was time to take the shackles off and let the whole offense Good move. start playing. Good move. And the second part of that is I think Jordan Love was ready for that, that kind of a move from LaFleur that he had been around and he had played enough games, he had seen enough, he had a good enough command of the offense. The wide, the wide receivers and tight ends we're starting to figure out the offense as well. And I think Jordan Love was absolutely ready to have Matt LaFleur say, go to it, take some chances, let, let it fly. And I, I think the results have been really good. How much of a factor is it that Jordan Love is in the same age group, essentially, with most of his wide receivers versus Grandpa Rogers, who really couldn't relate to anybody younger than him, which meant everyone on the roster? Well... I don't know. I thought he related pretty darn well to Devontae Adams. Yeah, but when, the, once he was gone, he he wanted nothing to well, do with this huge Related pretty darn well to Randall Cobb. He related yeah, to but, his receivers. Yeah, but another oh, old dude. No, no, no. He related pretty well to Alan Lazard. You know what I'm talking about. No, the first and second year I players. Know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think Rodgers related to the young receivers. I don't know how you could draw that conclusion based on, on the fact him, that he was with their him. one didn't, year. I'm just watching him, listening to him. You didn't think so? He's always had problem with rookie receivers. And it's, it's been the same even when he was a young quarterback. When guys make mistakes, he'd let them have it. And that's just Aaron Rodgers. And you know what? I don't think either coach Aaron Rodgers had in Green Bay minded that one little bit. But don't you think part of the reason that they've started to mesh as a unit on offense, love with his wideouts, is that they're on the same page? Part of it's on the same page, but that's – a result uh, not of being the same age. It's the result of being on the field for 8, 10, 12 games. That's what it's a result of. It's being on the field and getting out there and playing. A lot of these young receivers, you know, Watson missed a bunch of time last year. I think Dobbs missed a little time. Uh, a couple of the other guys are rookies. They they needed time. I, I, I don't think it's that they're all the same age. I think it's just that they're all growing up at the same time, which is really nice. Okay, I'll buy that as an argument for Grandpa Rogers and what he did or didn't yeah, do last there's year. There's a lot of things to dislike about Grandpa Rogers, but he took he took 
Jordan Love under his wing. And I think he remembered the days when Favre did the opposite with him and basically treated him like an outcast. And he did the exact opposite. And whatever you want to say, whatever you think of Jordan Rogers or Jordan uh, Aaron Rodgers, and there certainly are opinions all over the map. No. What you cannot say is that he didn't take Jordan Love under his wing and help him become a better quarterback because he did that. Yeah, and look, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm not going to get away from that point at all. He's maybe one of the top five to ever have played this game. He just a major pain in the butt. That's the way I look at it. A lot of people look at it, especially in the Green Bay area. And anyone who probably had to deal with him on any steady basis would probably agree with that, wouldn't you say? He wasn't bad to deal with. He was honest. I mean, I actually think he went into press conferences and group settings expecting certain questions to be answered. And he was genuinely surprised. And it wasn't didn't matter if it was a tough question or not. He expected questions to be answered. I... I Way too many of those guys go into press conferences with their fingers crossed, hoping, oh, I hope they don't ask me this. I hope they don't ask me that. Whereas Rodgers anticipated it, had an answer ready, and sometimes expressed surprise when a question, a, a difficult question wasn't asked. Before we leave this segment, what did you think about the officiating, especially over the last minute of the game? It was very poor. And uh, I think I think there were, there were technically four blown calls and – the, the Hail Mary call being one of them, but that's just not called. I don't have in, a problem with that. In the history of the NFL, that's just not right. called. Remember, they were saying the same thing about the, the fail Mary game when the Packers lost yes. in Seattle, et cetera. That's just not called. So for, for Chris Collinsworth, a veteran NFL player which just, which and surprised broadcaster, me. It surprised and Tirico me. to belabor that point, come on. They know the history of the league. They just don't call that. Now, Especially Collinsworth now, being a former receiver. The interference call was a horrible call. Of course he interfered with him. Of course, two plays earlier, Mahomes gets smacked while he's inbounds, and the Packers get and they get a first down and 15 yards. Terrible call. The, the interference call was clearly a makeup call for that call, which was a terrible call. I agree. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Badgers, college football we want to remind you that we're brought to you by Leopold's Books Bar and Cafe. You're listening to the Wisconsin Sportscast with Lucas and Oates. Welcome back to the Wisconsin Sportscast with Lucas and Oates, brought to you by Leopold's, 1301 Regent Street. The Badgers now know where they're going and who they're playing. Man, they got a tough draw. LSU, number 13 in the country. Oh, I thought you were talking about Michigan State. Well, that's where the basketball Badgers are going to be on Tuesday night. And that's not an easy draw either. Even though the Spartans are off to a rocky start, it's always tough to play in Breslin. But let's talk about football. What do you think about the matchup between Wisconsin and the Tigers? I think it's a great matchup. My only problem is, will it be the Wisconsin JVs against the LSU JVs? Because who's going to play in the game? We don't know. And... uh, you know, I don't think we know who's going to play in the game from Wisconsin. I don't think we know necessarily who's going to play the, in the game from LSU. If, if Jaden Daniels goes, he uh, can't declares, possibly play. Declares for the draft, he won't play. If the he's two, going to win the Heisman. If the two wide receivers, he's going to win. He should win the <laughs> yes, Heisman. He should. He's had an unbelievable season. If the two wide receivers are going to the draft, neighbors and Thomas, they're out. So who's going to play? I don't know. Obviously, when. Wisconsin and LSU over the last 20 to 30 years, 20 years for sure, have been 
two of the top 15 programs in the country. It's a great, great matchup. But I, and I don't blame this on Wisconsin or LSU. Or it's just the way college football is right now. It's a mess between the transfer portal and nil and going to the and and blowing off bowl games because you're going to enter the draft. And I don't blame players for doing it, but. It's just the fluidity of college football right now makes you go, well, yeah, it should be a good game, but we don't know who's going to play. Well, you bring up the transfer portal. What do you make of uh, Jim DK and Skylar Bell both entering the portal? So the returning leading returning receiver, receiver next year will be Will Pauling, who was a transfer from Cincinnati. Bell had 38 catches this year. Dickey didn't have a good year. I, I don't think he felt comfortable in the system. I don't, I don't had think— 19 receptions. No, the system was a bad fit, and I keep hearing people say— reading on social media and stuff and you know well he wasn't that good well this year what happened like he like it was his fault no the whole world what changed he had half the catches and half the yards blah 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 what changed the offense changed in this offense he might have been better as a slot receiver and that was Pauling's role and that's Pauling's role and hey of all the you know what of all the wide receivers they brought in in the transfer portal what was there 13, 18, I don't know. <laughs> Seemed like 20 or 30 at times. But Pauling was by far the best, and he was a really productive player. I mean, I give him a lot of credit. That that He's a he's a very good player. And did he bite into DK's time a little bit? Yeah, did injury? Yeah, he missed, it, what, a game and a half? Um, but he just I – I never thought he caught on. I never thought the coaches who didn't recruit him tried to force the ball to him in any way, shape, or form. I just – and here's the deal. He's going to graduate or he's already graduated, he's, gonna, he's going as a grad student somewhere, he's earned the right to go. He I, has. And, and I, I don't agree. care. Transfer portal, all this free movement, he's earned the right to go if he wants to go and try and find a setting where he can refurbish his uh, NFL standing, I think. I think it needs a little work after the last season. Uh, and I'm not sure that a lot of that was his fault. And I'm not saying the coaches were wrong or anything like that. I'm just saying it wasn't a particularly good fit. There are a lot of quarterbacks in the portal right now, including the starter at Ohio State, McCord, who entered the portal this week. Does that surprise you? It surprises me, but he's been pretty controversial all year. I think, you know, you have quarterbacks like they've had the last three or four, well, it's a quarter, drop off. four quarterbacks they've had have all been high number one first-round draft picks. And there was no way he could satisfy the Ohio State nut job fans. There's absolutely no way. He, anything he did was not going to satisfy him. He got off to a slow start. They had a couple of games where the scores were much closer than the Ohio State fans are used to. And, and they kind of turned on him, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, who knows? They also might have sat him down and said, you need to go somewhere else because we're going to go get somebody in the portal who's better than you. Well, the rumor, the rumor is that Cam Ward from Washington State will be playing for the Buckeyes next season. Very possible. Yeah, with nil in the transfer portal, anything is possible. It's just crazy, though, isn't it? It's nuts. It's, it's NFL free agency. Today seemed to me like the day one of NFL free agency. It, 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 it's exactly, it's all, you know, I know the great Jay Billis of the world all sat and told us that nil would not be used in recruiting. That's all it's being used for is recruiting. How does he overlook that? He's so proud of his accomplishments and achievements Don't and being above everybody else. Him. He's a pompous duke. Well, that, that's uh, enough. Just say he's a dookie. That covers a lot of bases. Are we on the air? Can I swear? Yeah, you can okay, swear we yeah, won't be on the air yeah. ne- next week, but that's all right. 
No, I think you know what I mean. No, I, no, but, I agree but, with you too. But no, this this is just ridiculous. And first of, and the other thing is, it's not sustainable financially for these schools. They're going to have to go back to the same boosters every year, ask for the same amount of money. At some point, people are going to look at them and say, "Sorry, I'm tapped out." And this is just not fiscally sustainable. There's absolutely no way. I mean, Deion Sanders' kid made $4.8 million <laughs> yeah. well, this did, year. Did you what see I want to know is, what did the midfielder on Colorado's women's soccer team, what did she, how did she benefit Pretty from sure that? Okay. Yes, yes. As in zero. Did you see the comments from Nebraska's Matt Rule? I was glad finally a coach came out and said yeah. that if you're looking for a quarterback now, it's between, what, $1.5 and $2 million yeah. on the market for yeah. just a quarterback. Yeah. Well, when a guy went to UCLA two years ago that won the Heisman last year, Williams, he he made three. He got three mil. Oh, he's probably up around nine mil and by now. And his second season there, he was probably up from three. I'm sure you know had to be up from three mil. You have to go back. I mean, I, some of the Wisconsin basketball players, you know, they they had to pay just to keep them. I'm not talking about recruits. I'm talking about your own guys. Yeah, and you have to do that annually. So you're you not only recruiting annually. outside your program, you're recruiting within your program. Right. Yeah, it's, it's you a know mess. Now, job one is to retain your players. Then you got to do the portal thing. Then the high school recruit thing, and uh, you know the jobs. The job has become exponentially more difficult. There's no question. And this is kind of typical of the portal. The Badgers got a verbal commitment from a transfer linebacker from Syracuse, and he's already decommitted. He's already decommitted. Yeah. So somebody else offered him more. Or. An agent or two got to him and said, you can get more than that. Let's put him back out on the open market. One of those two, and uh, there's no question. Uh, you know, what, what a joke. The kid came here, loved the place, loved the, loved the plan they had for him as a player. It was clear from his comments before he decommitted, it was clear from his comments that everything the coaches here had told him really fit in with his plan, which I'm sure is prepare me for the NFL, the Cliff's Notes version. Uh, and the, the coaches here apparently had done that, so he committed. And he got home, and I think he realized that he was probably leaving a lot of money on the table and that he needed to start a little bidding war. It happens. We'll see what happens. All right, let's segue to college hoops. Can the Badgers win one of the next two, one being at Michigan State, two being at Arizona? How strange is it that you're looking at, Mich at, at a game at Michigan State and saying it's their easiest game of the week? Potentially. And, you know, I, I think Michigan State is not unlike Wisconsin in one respect. Sometimes early in the season, it takes them a little while to gel. And I don't think Michigan State has truly gelled yet. I think Wisconsin went three or four games before gelling and then and then it finally did. I think Michigan State could gel at any time. There's clearly a lot of talent there, a lot of tradition there. They're a very good team, very good uh, players, very good coaching. So it would be great if Wisconsin could sneak in there, get a win, and sneak out before Michigan State really hits its stride. Before the Spartans wake up. Was there anything Wisconsin did in its victory over Marquette that stood out for you that makes you think that this could be a better season than some believe? Just how well they played in the paint on both ends of the floor. I thought they really they rebounded well. I thought they defended well in the paint. I thought they attacked the rim a number of players, A.J. Stork, Tyler Wall attacked the rim and, you know, from slash to the rim, which uh, Wall's been doing a lot of, which I think has really enhanced this game. 
I just think the way they played in the paint, the way they dominated it. I mean, if you look at Marquette's team, if there's an Achilles heel on that team, it's there's no real power forward. There's two tall, thin centers, and then they go down to David Joplin, who's a 6'5", three-point shooter. You know, I don't think Marquette's a real powerful team inside, I guess is my point. No, but but the fact is, they dominated in there. And and Wisconsin, even when Marquette hasn't necessarily had a big team, they Wisconsin's not always able to dominate them in the paint. But Wisconsin did that in that game. And to me, that was a surprise. And it happened on both ends. We're starting to see more and more Stephen Crow assert himself, aren't we? Yeah. And when he does, he's so... Doggone effective it's around the rim. Starting to remind me of that little stretch he had late last season when he when he just seemed to figure out how to. Well, before he went in the tournament and got thirty six. Yeah, it just seemed like he kind of figured out how to play at that point and what he needed to do and uh, what he needed to do against contact. Now that'll take another hit here when he gets against that big horse moose <laughs> from Arizona, number one. Yeah. Or the weightlifters, from, the weightlifters from Michigan State, and then gets into the Big Ten schedule. That's all going to be tested, but I, you've seen it even from the start of this season that he's become much more assertive and plays stronger than than he was. One final thought on Badger basketball: Will this team be better off, whether it wins or loses those games on the road at Michigan State and Arizona? Will it be better off having scheduled these three teams in a row: Marquette, Michigan State? In Arizona, I love competition. I like. I think that's where you learn as a team. You learn about yourself playing against people who are as good or better than you. I also think players like to play these games. You don't come to Wisconsin to play Arkansas State. Sorry, Arkansas State. Okay. What do you got against them? Or Robert Morris. Sorry, Bob. Oh my goodness. You know you don't. That's not why they come to college. They come to college to play Michigan State and Arizona and Tennessee and Marquette and on down the line. The Big Ten is such a grueling season, though, too, isn't it? You, you just have to be able to survive, advance and survive, because you're going to take your lumps. Now, they're, they're riding a pretty good streak here, but what happens when they run into a little bit of adversity and lose a couple of times? Yeah. I think the Michigan State game is really important. Get off to a good start in the Big Ten. You, you'll be 1-0 and for about three weeks because the Big Ten then doesn't start till New Year's time, right around New Year's. So you, you have that 1-0, but plus... To get a roadie over Michigan State in the Big Ten, that's gold because not many teams can do it. So I, I think this is really a critical game. No doubt. Playing in the Breslin Center, players tend to grow up, don't they? One way or another, you grow up in that experience, in that you, atmosphere, in that environment. We've both been there, and it's a tremendous environment, and it's hard to play in. There's no question. Cole Center was pretty electric, too, for the Marquette I thought game. the Cole Center was outstanding. My kudos to the students. My kudos to Oh, the, no, you're complimenting students? To the regular fans. I thought the Cole Center was electric uh, on Saturday against Marquette. Dylan, what do you think the students would have to say about Grandpa Oates throwing him some flowers? Probably have to throw him <laughs> beer money, but. Yeah, very, very true. You better bring a lot of it if you want to drink more than one or two there. No question about it. Hey, we want to thank you again uh, for joining us, for listening. We want to definitely thank Leopold's Books, Bar, and Cafe, and Fabioli's Spaghetti House, and Deli at 131 Regent Street. Thanks for listening to the Wisconsin Sportscast with Lucas and Oates.
At Sierra University, we've been empowering students to pursue their goals for over 130 years. From innovative degree programs and helpful tools to campus locations focused on creating community for international students, we can help you find your way forward. We even offer international students 25% off tuition on select degree programs. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.